Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast. Uh, my guest is Don Barry, the co-founder and president of Luna DNA. And the website is lunadna.com. Luna, like the moon, L-U-N-A. So, Don, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Rich? Good. Thanks for coming. So, tell me Thank about the Luna DNA. Where, where did the name come from, and then what's the premise of the company? Yeah, we wanted a we wanted a, a name that was very consumer friendly, very aspirational, very visionary, and so, so Luna was a was a very uh, very nice word that we thought would resonate with folks. So we so we went with it. Okay, and, w- and what is the uh, the premise of the company? What do you guys do? Yeah, sure. So our our vision as a company is to uh, to create a human health database, so inclusive of DNA information, clinical medical information, uh, environment, etc but do so in a way that's, that's different. Um, this platform will be owned by its community of, of data donors. Um, through that, this platform, you know, we aim to give individuals control back. We aim to deliver transparency and control and privacy and also share in the value created. So what we did to achieve those aims is, uh, is to file with the SEC, recognizing data as currency by which to acquire shares in the company so that when value is created against the platform, that value is shared with the data donors. So there's, there's, there's two aims, obviously, to bring together a scope and scale of data that's never been possible, um, to do oh. that in a way that's, that's owned by its community of data donors, and ultimately to reshape research and accelerate uh, breakthroughs in health and quality of life. So that means, what, if I uh, allow my DNA to be sequenced by Luna DNA? You know, not only do I have control of the data, but also I have a, a small share in the company. Yeah, so we're not in the business of creating data. There's there's many many labs out there that that do a great do- job of data creation. Our focus is to aggregate and organize the data, and to bring it together in a way that's meaningful for research. So when you would share your data with Luna, obviously we would protect your identity. We'd create obviously a lot of transparency, so you could see how the data is used. You would become a shareholder. And, and ultimately have the, you know, explicit and intrinsic value of, of accelerating a better health for all. Okay, so what's the specific example of that? What kind of data would I share and what would happen with it and what, what would I experience? Sure. So one of the, the simplest types of uh, information to share would be health surveys. So understanding uh, your health history, um, some of maybe the conditions your family has um, experienced. The second type of data could be, for example, if you've um, ever purchased a personal DNA test like 23andMe or Ancestry, that information um, can be downloaded from those uh, companies and, and uploaded to Luna. And then soon after, we'll have other um, pipes and portals to enable contribution of electronic health record, and then continuing with other, other mechanisms for um, lifestyle and, and fitness information through APIs. Um, like you would have with a with a Fitbit, so lots of different pipes and portals and opportunities to donate uh, data, so that everybody has an opportunity to contribute. Okay, so my goal is to give all my medical records and health data to Luna, and what am I contributing to? Like, what is the expectation I have when I, you know, get all the data connected to you? 
Yeah. So they, and, and your identity is protected and all of this. So you think about there, there's, there's multiple ways to think about what you, what you get out of it. I mean, the, the first one would be, you know, I think most of us, we, we donate to science and, and associations that we care about. We run 5Ks, et cetera. So this, you can think of one way as a new way to, to give back and, and accelerate health breakthroughs and, and quality of life. Um, another way is to think about it to you're, you're empowering research, not only the research that you might care about that, that maybe is um, important to your family or your health history, but your data can be used in, in all kinds of research. It doesn't need to be just used once. And then there's more of the explicit value. So when you donate data, your data is regarded as currency by which you can acquire shares in the company. Different data types have different share values. And so there's there's an opportunity for explicit value when when uh, when value is created, you share in the dividends. So we, we pay back in the form of dividends. And then also, as the platform develops, we'll have different partners, different utility tools, different exploration for, for that type of data. So you'll learn something about yourself um, while bringing your data and making it available for the greater good of research. So intrinsic satisfaction of, of helping others, as well as being a partner in the value created from that data. How would people know what their data is going to be used for? Is that disclose to them before they send it you know let's say i have uh 23 and me versus my um you know my diabetes doctor records i mean how do i know what it's going to be used for is that again is that disclosed or do i have a choice yeah so there's a there's a few ways you know so one of the um one of the things that we did when we established the company is to establish as a public benefit corporation so research that is used to advance health and quality of life is is our is in our charter and it can only be used, your data can only be used for those purposes. So you have almost these guardrails on the type of data that, um, the, so excuse me, the type of research that can be um, exercised. The second is, um, as part of the sign-up process, there is, um, there's a consent form. And so you, you read very explicitly on what the platform is about, how you're protected, um, and then again, the type of research that can be done. And then finally, um, the data is used as a, at an aggregate level, so your data is de-identified and aggregated with with many other people's data. So it's it's less about your data and more research at at the aggregate level. However, you do have an option in the system to say I do or do not want to be contacted for research that may um, be interesting to me. So more specific to the individual, and that's your that's your option to turn that on or off. If you keep that off, your data is just used in the aggregate. And through different technology, we will keep you up to date of the type of research being done. And you always have the opportunity to just to just leave, to delete your data, to delete your identity at any given time. So that that kind of control is is absolutely in your power. Well, how will people know what the the or the anonymized aggregated data will will be used for? What kind of updates will they get? Specific updates or just you know however it happens to be used? Or what you know what if someone cares about uh, women's health? Maybe they want to be updated on those kind of issues in particular or see that their data is being used for those kind of initiatives versus just generic health reasons. Yeah, and that's the type of reporting. So we're following a lot of best practices of public benefit corporations. And, and in that in that type of institution, transparency is, is very important. And that's hindered a lot of research in the past. So we'll aim to do uh, those type of reporting on, on the type of interest we're seeing in the platform, the type of research being conducted. And, and those type of transparency metrics so that people can feel, you know, very comfortable and feel like they have the attribution when research is done that's, that's important to them. And we'll also aim to understand what type of research is important to them so that we can increase that engagement and start doing more proactive research for that type of uh, activity to happen. 
So uh, do you have partners yet that are saying, all right, give me some data and can you say who they are? You know, what are your first, uh, um, what's the juiciest stuff yeah, that, that you want to get first? <laughs> the uh, the first order of business is to be qualified by the SEC. So we're we're long in that in that process. This is the first application of its type that they've ever seen, and we've really really enjoyed uh, working with them to really think about how a model like this um, can work, especially in an age where our data is is very interesting uh, for research. So that's that's step one. Step two, once that happens, is we will open the platform uh, to individuals to uh, to share their data. And then we do have um, different partnership opportunities lined up that we haven't been um, that we haven't been public about, but we will we look forward to announcing them very soon. So for an individual, I mean, there's only so much data they can contribute. Um, you know, they're going to have a, a share or shares in the company. But I would think, I guess, unfortunately, as more people give data, which is what you want, I mean, wouldn't they be diluted down? And how much would they get anyway? And would that really be uh, of a financial benefit to them, or it's more like peace of mind and you know, a charitable type thing where they know they're they're helping the greater good. Yeah, so I think obviously we have to get to scope and scale for meaningful research. And and there's a lot of, of information that people can give. If we think about what is the perfect platform look like, you know, it's not just DNA. It's it's ultimately RNA, moves to RNA to proteins, it's gut microbiomes, it's past health, past health history, family history, lifestyle, environment, nutrition. So there, there's definitely a lot of data that if um, we were to, collect all the contributors to human health could be could be quite rich and and achieving that would also create a tremendous um opportunity for research so in terms of you know explicitly what what kind of value people can get from this in the form of dollars you know it's, it's kind of hard to predict in the beginning but we don't we don't talk about it like it's it's life-changing money and most of the folks that we've talked to are really keen to see a transparent model that's just not keeping all the data that's allowing you the control and allowing you an option to maybe not take shares in the company or when you get dividends, push those to charity. So it's it's definitely more an expression of transfer, transparency and fairness than anybody that's going to kind of retire their, from their job from donating their data. So it's important to keep those expectations um, in line. Okay. Um, how much data do you think you're going to need and of what type in order to make, uh, you know, an impact out there and, and which you know, what kinds of data are in scarce supply that uh, researchers would love to have? Yeah, so it depends. So on the on the question of how much data, this is, is a, a statistics question. So for example, if you were looking at a general population of all comers, you can argue, you know, the database would need to be, you know, a million or more to have that kind of discovery potential. If you think about more narrow um, populations or cohorts of individuals, so a few thousand people with a particular uh, disease profile, that, that creates a lot of research richness. And so it really depends on the question um, being asked in terms of the type of data that you, uh, you would need to amass to have discovery um, potential. I would say some of, the, some of the areas that we wanna make sure are covered are definitely the disease communities, the patient registries. There's been historical problems with with populations that have been understudied so when we don't have diversity in your research your your interventions and medicines don't reach a diverse population and so this is driving really these fundamental values in terms of how the platform is created again with transparency anonymity not, not anonymity uh, value mm -hmm. creation control you know we want to fix a little bit of these um i'll say injustices or or lack of lack of alignment and value that have 
that have hurt research in the past and, and fix that going forward so that we can really accelerate impact. Well, what's the cost of, uh, of data right now? Are you going to, are you going to monetize it and essentially sell the aggregated data to researchers or is it going to be provided free or how's it going to work? Yeah. So another reason why we established as a public benefit corporation is so that we can think about value creation in different ways for nonprofits or for profits. So, um, obviously, lower lower financial access if you're a nonprofit, and and a little higher if you're a commercial. I think that's just a fair way to do. We don't want to preclude any type of research um, being done um, on this platform. And then you asked okay. a question about about access. So another important note is in this platform, it's it's a model to data platform, meaning individuals' data doesn't leave the platform. So questions come to the platform. Um, so that's not sort of selling copies of your data. There is one copy of your data. It's aggregated with all other data sharers and questions come to the data platform and only the answers leave. So there are not multiple copies of your data floating around um, in the ecosystem. There's one, you control it. And if any reason you want to leave the system, you leave by deleting that single copy. And we think that's a very important part of the model. Yeah, what about uh, HIPAA compliance? Is that a difficult thing to navigate? Or are you set up in such a way that it's not going to be a problem? Yeah, we're, we're set up in such a way that we are um, we are compliant with HIPAA. Certainly, privacy um, is is a very important part of this. And if you study the past, why a lot of people have not engaged in research projects like this, they they were worried about their privacy. So we're we're built intentional with with privacy as a as a key pillar. So HIPAA HIPAA compliance is is absolutely uh, in line with how we're building. Well, how would um, a researcher I mean, I would think that several different researchers at some point would use segments of, you know, a certain segment of your data. So how would you only have one copy yet allow multiple people to access it and it be anonymized and aggregated? It seems like uh, I know the data structuring would be somewhat difficult, the permission sharing. Sure. You would create different sandboxes for those researchers. So you could just section off the type of data. So, for example, a researcher wants to study... Uh, profiles of women over 40, BRCA positive, never had breast cancer. So you would you would query those metadata fields, move that data into a sandbox, and then allow research to happen in that sandbox. When it's done, the data is is deleted from that sandbox. So you're not taking copies of data and giving it to third parties. You're just creating a segregated uh, data analytics sandbox for that research to happen. So when a researcher uses it. Um do they have the rights to, uh, I guess, use it in their research and, and quote it that they've used, you know, let's say Luna DNA as a source and that the data had X number of participants, you know, no names or any of that stuff. Or, I mean, but in, in perpetuity with their research, would they be able to, you know, say they use that data set? Yeah, in fact, that's what we want. And people want that attribution to know that research was done, that they had an impact on. So, so absolutely. So what do you estimate it's going to take to get to critical mass? where it's useful for uh, any particular researcher to use the data? Yeah, so we're um, obviously, as I mentioned before, you know, focusing on different communities that have uh, that have an enriched profile for, um, say, a particular disease will be important at the same time, um, inviting all comers. Maybe you're not part of a disease foundation or a patient registry or don't have a quote unquote interesting health history. You've been you've been healthy. Um, the opportunity to accelerate the research impact by focusing on different communities that are that are seeking research answers 
will be a priority. However, if you think about the future of research and ask research what's, what they what they really want to do, we also want to study why people are healthy, why they have not gotten sick, what are those protective mechanisms. Um, so the opportunity to kind of solve disease, but also understand the definition of health more than the absence of illness are both really exciting possibilities when you think about engaging people responsibly, longitudinally, continuously in the environments that they live in. I mean, this is this is truly an opportunity to to reshape research in that way. Okay. So what's the timeline for everything? When when do you expect that the well, you can't expect it, but when do you hope that the SEC will give you approval and then when when will the platform start? Yep. So we like I said, we've been uh we've been uh we filed with the SEC. We're through the twenty one day uh public period and so um we'll we're uh, we're patiently waiting for that qualification um, very soon, and uh, look to open the platform as soon as that happens, and and start inviting individuals uh, to join us. And obviously, as uh, as a platform matures, you know, continuing to add different utilities and partners and other ways to explore your data, so that we create an environment where there's richness for you as an individual, and there's also richness for research. Okay. Well, very good. And what's the best way for people to get in touch and to track progress and then, uh, you know, have their data waiting and ready as soon as you start? Yeah, I would love if people did that. So we're at uh, we're at LunaDNA.com. We have a, a newsletter that we post to quite regularly. If folks are on that newsletter, you'll be the first to know when the platform opens. Um, and certainly if individuals want to contact me uh, directly, that would be welcome as well. We look forward to anybody who's interested in being an early adopter of a of this platform and really creating that movement towards people-centered research. Well, very good. Well, Dawn, thanks for coming on the podcast. And, uh, you know, we'll have to do a follow-up in X number of months because it'll be interesting to see your progress and see how this takes shape. That would be great. Thank you very much for having me. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.